Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Welcome to another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder and managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group. Scott, what's going on this week? How are you, sir? Another beautiful day in the neighborhood, Walter. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I think on our last show or a couple of shows ago, we were talking about all the trips and, and cool activities you had on the agenda. And now you're back and better than ever and uh, finally well-rested, I understand. Absolutely. And this uh, this actually be, starts to become our busy time of the year, going into September, October, November are usually our busiest season. So we're you know, rested up, geared up for that. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, client educational events coming up. And we do a lot of tax planning in this latter part of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter. Uh, so we're, we're we're excited about that stuff. Yeah. How how were the trips? How was your travel? Uh, travel was great. Uh, I think it's fantastic when you get to see you know other cultures, you know, way people do things. And for me personally, it always gives me a deeper respect for what we have at our fingertips here. You know, just little things like ice in your drink and air conditioning that goes below eighty five. Those don't seem like big. <laughs> Those don't seem like big deals, uh, but they are. Air that goes <laughs> below 85? Yeah. Is there such a thing as air that only goes down to 85? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we experienced it in Europe. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm convinced that the little therm thermostats that are in the uh, hotel rooms. They're lying, aren't they? They're they're not hooked to anything. They're just, <laughs> it's like a pacifier. So but, uh, it's, but, the, uh, it, it's the placebo effect. It to <laughs> totally is. It, you know, it was a great time, had a great trip. Interesting talking to a lot of the, you know, the locals, you know, a lot of those places, they, they like, you know, they, they do like Americans. They like American tourists. Uh, they're happy. And so they were very, very gracious and had, had a great time. That's awesome. Well, glad you had a good time. We'll have to uh, you have to do a special edition podcast maybe on a, in a future one where you just tell us all about the trip because that was a big trip. So that'd be kind of cool to just hear more about it and tell some stories from the trip and that kind of thing. Absolutely. And we just finished up our we had our client halftime report uh, last week, and actually, ironically, uh, three sets of clients are going to the exact same places we're we went to. And so we sent over a list of all the places we went and, you know, places we visited, restaurants. And so we're looking forward to their feedback once they go and get their opinion. That'd be great. That is really neat. Yes. Very, very cool. Well, glad you had a good trip. Welcome back. Let's get the show started today. We're talking about the five-step complete planning process on today's show. So we often talk about, you know, we might talk about a specific topic. And at the end of the show, we talk about coming in, meeting with Scott, or, you know, just going through the planning process. And we really want to dive in today to see, well, what does that really look like? Let's unpack the planning process and what's really behind it. How detailed does it get? What kinds of planning and what elements are inside of that? So Scott, I'm looking forward to you walking us through this today. Where do you start the five-step planning process with most folks and, and why five steps? Well, the, the five steps are really the five key areas of financial planning. And so that's how we developed this and refined it over the last almost two decades. But it's really a process that's designed to help our clients achieve simplicity and confidence during their retirement years. And by focusing on those five key areas of your current financial life, that's where we see 
obstacles or opportunities uh, to improve the situation to give you the highest probability of success because that's what, that's what we want to do. We give us give you the highest probability of success that you can retire comfortably, spend confidently, and spend time focused on things you want to focus on, not worrying about your money. And that's where the first step you know, of the planning process is looking at your income plan. Why? Because retirement is one, two, three, maybe four decades of unemployment. All right, you're retiring from paid work. And so you're going to rely upon income sources to generate the cash flow you need to do the stuff you want to do. Right. So income plan, it sounds very basic. Uh, but it's really starting with a detailed breakdown of what are your expenses, right? What, where is your money going? And there's going to be essential expenses, stuff you have to have. And there's going to be discretionary expenses, the stuff you'd like to have. And once we understand what it, what it costs to run your household uh, and finding out, you know, what are your other income sources? And do you have a pension, you know, maybe two pension checks, uh, two Social Security checks, you have rental properties. So it's really that balance of money going out for expenses and money coming in for income. And when we compare those two, most of the time, our clients are going to have some sort of gap. We call it the income gap. Well, how do we fill that gap? And there's a lot of choices. You know, some people want to work part time to fill that gap. Uh, most people are going to use their retirement resources that they saved over their lifetime to fill that gap. So that's balancing that out, what you need, and then looking to make sure what you've saved, is that enough to safely provide that income over your lifetime? And once we've got those numbers you know, entered and optimized, then we look at you know, how does your plan stand up against inflation? You know, stuff costs more in the future than they do now. You know, what happens if we have longevity? You know, my grandfather is 95 years old. He's had a long, long wow. retirement. Uh, my neighbor down the street, he's about six houses down. Uh, he's 96. He's the original owner of the house. He built the house and he retired at 62. You know, and he's, he's 96. So that's, that's a amazing. long time. That is a long time to make <laughs> your money last. Yes. And so you know, we're living longer. And then we look at, you know, what's the economic impact of losing a spouse? You know, when you lose a spouse, your income plan changes because of a couple things. If you're receiving two Social Security checks, now you go down to one Social Security check. Uh, if you have a pension, it may stay around. It may go away completely. You may get a portion of it, depending on the options that you chose when you started taking the pension. Usually, we still need about 80 to 85% of the amount of money it takes for two people, one person takes about 80, 85% of that to continue to live that lifestyle. And if our social security is dropped, what do we have to do to fill that gap? Well, usually we have to increase the distributions from our retirement savings to make all this work. And by increasing distribution, sometimes we can increase the tax liability. All right. So for an example, a married couple with $30,000 in Social Security and taking $30,000 from their IRA, so a net of $60,000 per year gross, or excuse me, gross $60,000, they're going to pay around you know, $1,200 to $1,400 in federal taxes. This is a rough estimate. But if we lose a spouse, and let's say Social Security goes from $30,000 to $20,000 because we get to keep the larger of the two checks, well, now we may need to take around $40,000 out of the IRA to net that, to gross that same 60000 But the taxes 
for a single person on $60,000 of income jumps to 5,400. So you go from less than $1,500 in taxes to $5,400 in taxes at the federal level. Big increase. On the big, big increase. So that just means it speeds up the consumption of our resources potentially. So a good income plan is a written income plan, analyzes your expenses, analyzes your income sources, and makes sure that the amount of money you need to fill the gap, that's a sustainable withdrawal uh, amount. So you can, again, spend confidently, be comfortable, and go out and do the things you want to do. So income plan plan, extremely important. That is the foundation of all good planning, in my opinion. Would you say that you spend most of your time in the planning process on that very first step, that foundation? In the beginning, yes, because it's really getting to the heart of the matter of what does retirement look like? What do you want to do? What do you want to experience? Because those things cost money, right? So that's income planning is crucial and you can't really move to the other steps of the process until you get that done. Okay. Income planning. If you hear a lot about it and you're approaching retirement or in retirement and you're getting tired of hearing the buzzword, get used to it. It's going to be the most uh, important thing in the planning process because it makes up that foundation as Scott was talking about there. But that's not the only part of the planning process as uh, we're talking about on today's show, Scott. There's still four other steps to achieve complete planning. What's the next one? So now that we've got the income plan built, we know what we require of the dollars you've saved, then we move into the investment planning side of things. And that's really a process where we help you choose the investment strategies that are most appropriate for you. And so we've got to make sure that we understand your risk tolerance or risk capacity. And that really comes down to how comfortable are you with the fluctuation of the value of your savings? You know, there's some people that it goes down a dollar, they're going to have a rough, rough evening, okay, rough day. Some people, you know, a million dollars goes to 800, they see it as buying opportunity. We need to understand how you work internally, how you make decisions about that. And really, mo most of the time, if when I asked the question, I said, do you know what rate of return you need to average to make your plan mathematically work? And most of the time, nine out of 10 times, people say, well, no, nobody's ever told us what we really need to make this all work mathematically. And so if we haven't gone through that process, then we're maybe guessing on how much risk we need to take. What we find is most people don't need to take the amount of risk they're currently taking to get the desired outcome. And so extremely important. We just want to make sure that it fits you. Uh, we solve for short-term, mid-term, and long-term timeframes of assets. And we want to make sure that that plan is going to work both in good markets and bad markets. We can't pin our hopes on the idea that the market is just going to continue to be uh, go up, 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 and up. That's not a good plan of action. You know, we want to have different buckets to withdraw from. We want to make sure we've got a good, solid emergency fund, and we need to have the right investments, whether it's you may want some money that's guaranteed, you may want some income or investments that are just based on cash flow to pay interest or dividends. You may want to have some investments that are more growth driven. Uh, most of the time, people are going to have some mixture of all of those uh, to be able to get the job done. And finally, on that investment planning, investments are simply the servant to the plan. 
They're just the engine that drives the income and the cash flow you need to satisfy the income gap. That's all it is. But we want to make sure that you can, you're comfortable with the investments. You know why we go into these things. And more, most importantly, we want you to know what the exit strategy is out of the investments you have because things change. Life throws us curveballs. We're going to need to be ready for those. You know, so, so again, income planning is the foundation, investment planning, investments are the servant to the plan to make it all work. And then we go to the next one, which I really like. It's the tax planning side of things. Uh, when tax planning is, is different than tax preparation, you've heard me talk about this before. Uh, tax preparation is like being a historian. Uh, you go back in time, look at what happened, gather all your data, plug it into the right boxes, and that spits out what your tax liability is. So that's like being a historian. Tax planning is looking at your current situation and also looking forward to see, are there things that are causing money to fall through the cracks? Are we not using deferral strategies correctly? Are we not you know, converting IRAs to Roth and staying in the same tax bracket? And so we really need to take the first step of assessing the taxable nature of your current holdings. And it simply is making sure we understand how much money you have in each tax bucket. And we teach this in our tax classes, our, our university classes. All money has a tax bucket it goes into. And for today's purposes, it's either non-qualified assets, meaning they're taxed now, and you get a 1099 every year on interest and or dividends. You get the tax deferred bucket, which is the next bucket. That's your IRA, 401k, TSP, any type of tax deferred uh, retirement plans. And then finally, you got the tax-free bucket. You know, that's your Roth IRA, uh, Roth 401k, municipal bonds, the federal level, cash value life insurance. Those are all the tax-free investments inside the tax-free bucket. So how much do you have in each of those buckets? And then when we talk about how to withdraw the dollars to satisfy the gap, well, how do we take those out in the most tax advantage manner? Because most of the time, the media spends talking about how do we get as much money as possible into these different buckets. Our focus is how do we get those dollars out with the least amount of tax? All right, and we're not talking about any funny business. We're talking about using a tax code and using it appropriately. Because every time we take a dollar out of one of those buckets, there's potentially a tax liability. So again, strategies to make sure that we withdraw that money correctly over time to reduce the tax burden. And from a tax planning perspective, some people are in a situation where they don't necessarily need the dollars that are in their IRA, or they don't need their required minimum distribution at 70 and a half. So they choose to leverage those dollars and use that to build a tax-free bucket of money for their beneficiaries or a charity. So again, it's all dependent on what you need that money to do. But we want to focus making sure that we can get the money out of those different buckets as efficiently as possible. And when we pass those buckets on to our, our beneficiaries, it transitions in the most effective, efficient way with the least amount of tax. So that's tax planning. And that's something that goes, that's an ongoing process that happens year after year after year. And it seems like these first three steps you've gone through, the income planning, the investment planning, and the tax planning, they're all pretty well linked, right? I mean, they're gonna, there's going to be some crossover between each of these steps. Oh, ab absolutely. Because every decision that you make has an effect potentially on the other parts of planning. And so we want to make sure those are all in concert. All right. So three down, two to go. What's the fourth planning process step? Fourth one is healthcare planning. And we really break those. That, that deserves a category all on its own, doesn't it? it? It does. It does. And we focus more on that 65 plus world. Uh, a lot of folks, obviously, when they go in 
Medicare age of 65. Uh, you got Medicare Part A and B, which is hospitalization and your doctor and outpatient services. And then you may choose to add a Medicare supplement on to that. Uh, and that covers the gap. Medicare covers about 80% of what you may have to pay for. The Medigap pays for that 20% gap that's not covered on A and B. Uh, you may throw in Part D, which is prescription drug coverage. Um, even if you don't have prescription drugs, you're probably going to want to enroll because there's a lifetime penalty. Uh, so looking at all those aspects, making sure you understand when you need to file for your Medicare and looking at what your options are, whether it's a Medicare supplement, a Medicare Advantage, all those things need to be looked at uh, in concert with the plan. And since your Medicare premiums are dictated by your income, we've got to be very careful if we're going to do a lot of tax planning and take a lot of money from an IRA to a Roth. Well, that may force you to pay more on your Medicare A and B. So we don't want to be surprised by those things. So Medicare, that's your hospitalization uh, and your doctor visits. And then the second part of health care is really that long-term care plan. And long-term care, uh, that's just not nursing home. That's traditionally what people thought about long-term care was going to a nursing home. Really what long-term care is about this journey that people go on. And it could be, you know, someone gets ill, has a has an episode where they, they need some care at the home. Maybe they have a caregiver come in part-time. Maybe they have a caregiver that comes in around the clock. Uh, maybe they're an independent living facility. Maybe they go to assisted living. Maybe finally they end up in a nursing facility. Uh, but all those different levels of care, whether it's stay at home, independent, assisted or at a traditional nursing facility. Uh, those are just different levels of care, different costs that are associated with that. So really when we look at long-term care, the first step is to assess the cost. What is the potential risk? And if you're okay with the potential impact it could have on your finances, then you self-insure. Meaning, hey, if, if it happens, we're gonna spend our money to cover it. Some people choose to hedge their bets and have a strategy, they say, we're gonna take part of our retirement savings and we're gonna buy insurance, you know, traditional long-term care insurance, where you pay a premium, it has a benefit pool that you could use if you need it. If you don't need it, well, you paid that money all your life, but you had peace of mind. It's kind of like homeowner's insurance or car insurance. You pay for it all your life, you hope you never use it, but you don't necessarily get upset if your house doesn't burn down and you don't use your coverage. You know, long-term care is kind of the same way. No, nobody wants to use it, but if you do use it, um, it's going to be one of the best dollars out to dollars in of any insurance. Uh, but I can tell you from a personal perspective, a planning perspective, uh, long, traditional long-term care has gotten expensive. A lot of the companies that provided it when I started almost two decades ago aren't providing it. And a lot of the policies that are here, I just had a client's been with me for 16 years. Uh, they had a long-term care policy before we met, and I've helped them with it along the way. And I just had a conversation last week that their premium went up 55% in one year. Just a and small so, increase. Just a small increase. But you know, so we had to go through the process of deciding, hey, is, it, is this worth keeping? Are we going to adjust it? And ultimately, they bought it so long ago, even the price jumping, it's not an astronomical out-of-pocket expense, but on the next, if there is a next increase, what there probably will be in the next few years, they're going to have to start really looking at, do they make changes to their long-term care plan or long-term care insurance? And finally, you know, the other options, 
or it's called asset-based long-term care. And it's really for people that say, you know what, we don't really want to buy long-term care insurance. We don't want to pay those premiums. What if we just earmark some dollars into a strategy that will pay us a benefit down the road? And every year that we wait, that benefit could potentially get larger. So if you're 65 now and you may not need care until you're in your 80s, well, that'll give you you know 15 years plus to grow that those dollars and give you a bigger benefit. And it's very simple. Those are asset-based, meaning there are certain types of fixed indexed annuities that have long-term care riders on them uh, that some will employ. Uh, the other option is life insurance, and simply meaning we put dollars into a, a life insurance strategy, and it gives us a death benefit. So what's that death benefit? It means when you pass away, there's a benefit to your beneficiaries. But having this long-term care rider on that life insurance lets you access that death benefit while you're alive and use it for long-term care costs. So an example, we have a death benefit of $400,000 in our long-term care life insurance policy, and we spend $100,000 over each year for two years. Well, you started with 400, you spent 200 over two years. So if you pass away, what do your beneficiaries receive? Well, they receive the remaining $200,000, right? If you never use it for care, you pass on the complete $400,000 tax-free to your beneficiaries. If you use the whole thing, then there's nothing to be passed on. But that is a; those are designed to give you multiple exit strategies or multiple ways to access the dollars you put into it, either while you're alive as tax-free income, while you're alive if you're sick through long-term care benefits, or it provides a tax-free benefit to your beneficiaries. So healthcare planning is extremely important. Uh, that's a major expense for today's retirees. And again, broken down into two categories, it's your health insurance, you know, Medicare and Medicare supplements. And there's the long-term care aspect, which again, multiple ways to plan around it. But the big thing is just figure out how much it could cost potentially, what impact would it have on your portfolio, your plan, and then make plans accordingly after that. All right. So income planning, investment planning, tax planning, those are the first three. Then we just covered all the skinny, well, I'm taking credit there. Uh, we covered, no, you covered all of the <laughs> details on healthcare planning. All right, last but not least, step five of the complete planning process. I don't know what else there is. It seems like we've covered the, uh, you know, covered all the moving parts. Oh, oh, definitely. That legacy and estate planning, that's really maximizing your estate and income tax planning opportunities. The, the estate planning side of that deals with your documents, uh, making sure that you either have a trust or a will, whichever is appropriate for your situation. You know, make sure you have your durable pair of attorney, uh, universal HIPAA release form, all those things that allow your loved ones to take care of you and, and execute your best wishes, wishes. And making sure that, so all those ducks are in a row, uh, but then protect your IRA and qualified accounts. Uh, you know, if you're if you don't really need those accounts, and if you understand there's those are embedded tax liability inside of those accounts, then there could be strategies where you start taking maybe the RMDs or part of that required minimum distribution out of the IRA, funding a tax-free bucket for your heirs. Um, and it goes back to the where we talked about that long-term care with life insurance. I have a lot of clients that take part of their RMD that they're not using, which the government forces upon them. They take that, pay the taxes. They put that into a life insurance policy designed to maximize the death benefit and the long-term care insurance. And they use that as their backstop 
for that. So there is an example of not only tackling healthcare, doing some tax planning, but also maximizing your legacy and estate all with one strategy. So a lot of interesting ways to go about that. Uh, but those are the those are the biggies you need to look at from a legacy and estate planning situation. I feel like uh, what you've just kind of taken us through here, Scott, is really kind of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like the the physiological needs are first. You need your food, water, warmth, and rest. We've got to take care of those things before we can start worrying about intimate relationships and friends and belongings and then esteem needs like prestige and accomplishment at top of the uh, of the pyramid, self-actualization, you know, realizing one's full potential. Kind of the same thing in your five-step planning process. We've got to take care of that foundation and that base of income planning first. Then we get more sophisticated in actually talking about the methodology of certain things and taking advantage of uh, you know the best options out there for us, like investment and planning and in the tax planning world. And then healthcare planning, we're getting more and more nuanced as we go up the ladder. And finally, at the top of the pyramid, sort of that that full potential is now looking to the next generation, right, and it ready to hand off to them. So kind of neat to, that you kind of lay it out that way. Well, thank you. And I'd say this is something we've been refining uh, and improving for, you know, years and years now. Uh, But what it really does for our clients is that it simplifies things, gets to the heart of the matter, and ultimately helps make decisions, you know, based on facts and logic. And again, lets people be comfortable because what they're doing when they're coming to us is they're delegating these tasks to us. They're delegating the planning and the construction of the plan and the oversight of the plan to us so they can go out and do things they want to do, which is usually spend time with their grandkids, travel, volunteer, do all the things they wanted to do now that they've got the time to do it and the resources to support that, that's a perfect combination. And that's, that's what retirement's about. Well, if you have any questions about something that we've talked about on today's show, and you would like to experience that five-step complete planning process, if you have not yourself gone through something like this before, it would be wise to do so. Make sure that you're well-prepared for your financial future. This is a great fit for anybody who's planning for retirement, planning for your financial future, but you've still got some question marks about that plan. And after all the details Scott just laid out, certainly you've got a couple of question marks, I would think, about your plan. Unless, of course, you've already come in and had a review, in which case, well done. Uh, If you want to get more information about Scott or want to go ahead and call and set up a time to meet or at least to have a conversation about some of these things, you can reach out easily over the phone at 913-393-4724. That's 913-393-4724. And always online at listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com. That's the homepage of the website where we post all the podcasts and have great information there about how to interact and get in touch with Scott as well. Listen to Scott.com, your place to go to get that information about Scott Dugan, working with the team, and listen to past shows. Scott, this was really helpful. Thank you for walking us through all these moving parts, and we'll look forward to another great conversation next time around. My pleasure, Walter. Had a lot of fun. That's Scott Dugan. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time back here on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.